Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. And I'm Will Yu, freelance senior strategist, formerly at TBWA Shia Day and Sapien Nitro. And thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Natalie. Welcome to episode five. I'm recording this intro from a hotel room in the very, very early morning in Singapore. I had the opportunity to come here and meet with some agencies and record some episodes for the podcast. And it's been really cool to see the types of advice that transcend culture that sound similar to things we'd hear in the States, and then the things that are totally different, the work environment, the work culture here. Before we get to our guest, I wanted to read a modified version of something that I wrote in a weekly email back in November. What's going on in the world can make it hard to think about pursuing advertising or going about our everyday lives working in the industry. But alongside advocacy, protests, and donations, doing what you love and pursuing what you want to do professionally can be part of the solution. Making impactful work, breaking glass ceilings, championing diversity, reflecting and affecting culture along the way, it's part of it. Make no mistake, we won't turn a blind eye and our work won't be business as usual. Culture has always been the context for what we do and the shifts we've seen upend what we know. In our awareness, in guiding our clients, in supporting our coworkers, and using what we're good at, we can be part of the solution. I have a couple more thoughts on the topic on how we can use what we do at work for good, but I'll save them for Friday's mini-sode. If you know me, you know that I'm a huge proponent of side projects, um, putting our energies towards things outside of work. And our guest, Will Yu, is a master at side projects. You might know him from his project, hashtag starring John Cho, alongside all the other great things he's done at the agencies he's worked at. Will sat down via Skype and shared some really amazing advice on how to get new initiatives off the ground at your agency, getting into the strategy side of things, and how to apply your strategic thinking to your own side projects. I had so much fun recording this one, so without further ado, enjoy. Well, thanks for joining me via Skype, coming in from New York during the bi-coastal Skype thing. We connected first at Admerica, I believe, where you were being presented with a Mosaic Award at one of the evenings and um, for one of your projects, which we'll talk about. And I came up and introduced myself afterwards and just said, do you want to record an episode (laughs) of this? And you graciously accepted. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me. Really, really appreciate your coming up and talking to me. And yeah, looking forward to chatting. Cool. Well, we like to start every episode with the kind of story narrative about how you got into the industry because it's really great background for the rest of our conversation. So can you talk a little bit about how you got from being a student to your first full-time job and kind of where you are today? Sure. Um, So I'm from Boston. I grew up there since around 2002, lived in Hong Kong before that. Um, I went to college at Tufts University, so it's a liberal arts school up in Boston. Um, And so I was an English major and a communications and media studies and a Chinese minor. So it wasn't exactly like a very obvious path towards advertising. I I, I think so, but to a lot of people, you know, it didn't really seem so obvious. Um, and so for me, I think what was, what was big is that I, I figured out through various different internships, I initially thought I wanted to do something in journalism, but I, I realized I wanted to be in a creative field that had some type of business rationale, some strategic thought behind it. And so after doing a couple of internships in a more creative fields, um, I think a, a, like a guidance counselor or a career counselor had been like, hey, had you thought about 
advertising, and I hadn't really considered it before. But then I did a couple of internships uh, through Tufts at at Gray, and then at YNR, all in New York. Um, and then I got accepted into the MAPE program, where I did an internship at BBH, and so and that kind of led me down the path of hey, I think advertising is something that I can relate to, I can catch on to, it, it piques my interest, and that's kind of how uh, I ended up uh, in, in New York and working at Sapien Nitro. Nice. And when you talk about getting your internships through Tufts, were there like, it was just through like career services, or where there's like an ad club that, you know, kind of led you to those opportunities? Yeah. Yeah, so Tufts uh, is interesting in that they don't have, it, 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 so it's a liberal arts school, they don't have an advertising major. So right. I didn't even realize you could major in advertising until I went to, I did MAPE, and there are all these kids from Syracuse and UT Austin and, uh, and FSU, and they're all majoring in advertising. I didn't realize that that, that was a thing. Um, and so uh, at Tufts, I was, uh, as a CMS minor, Communications and Media Studies minor, um, that it was a very small department. I think now you, now you can major in it, but at the time you could mm -hmm. only minor in it. Um, and they had a what's called like a winternship. So during the winter, they had these mini internships that um, various Tufts alums at different agencies offered their time to Tufts and said, you know, kids can apply and then we'll, we'll bring on a couple kids uh, during the winter break. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how I first got my, my feet wet in, in those opportunities. Um, and then I heard about MAPE. So randomly, uh, I was at a career fair uh, at Tufts, and you know there aren't a lot of advertising um, companies that come to Tufts to to uh, recruit. Mm -hmm. It's mostly consulting companies, engineering companies, finance companies. Um, but I believe there was a guy at a at a booth for Digitas LBI, and he was also an Asian American guy. And you know we were just like chatting and yeah. talking about you know what we're interested in. And he was like, oh, by the way, I did this thing called MAPE. It was pretty cool. If you want to do it, you should check it out. Yeah. And so I went back to my dorm room, looked it up, and was like, okay, I think this is something that I can do, and was fortunate enough to get accepted. And, um, and yeah, my, my time at BBH was, was a really formative time that summer. That's great. Well, two things. Like, I think it's cool that Tufts, like, th I love the, the format of, like, through alumni, you know, providing opportunities for, for people, like, wherever they're working and, and kind of just, like, leveraging that network to... Um, you know, create a more like formal internship program. I think that's such an amazing idea. And the second point I was going to say is I feel like Digitas LVI is everywhere when it comes to recruiting. They're I've talked to everywhere. so many people. It's crazy. <laughs> I was like, wow. Hard for talent. Yeah, I know. And I mean, I know they're huge supporters of MAPE. So it's really funny that you brought them up too, because you're not the first person yeah. who's, who's mentioned them as part they're of their story. Different. But that's awesome. Yeah. But I I think what's interesting too, at least for, for me, is that especially being an English major and hearing about advertising for the first time, I had no idea going into it what you could do and not right. do in advertising. And so for me, I just, you know, I had the vague, you know, bubbles of creative and business. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really know what role I wanted to go in within that. And so I just decided I'm just going to do everything. So right. my internship at Gray was a creative internship. My internship at YNR was an account internship. And then my internship at uh, BBH was a strategy internship. Mm. And so I think, you know, whenever I talk to, to junior people and they're all trying to fit and they go into it being like, I think advertising is really cool, but I'm not quite sure like if I need to start setting myself down a single path. Right. I usually just recommend, you know, if, if you have, you know, a certain skill set or if you have that interest, just Try, try everything. You, in, in college, you have that opportunity mm. just to dabble and really just try and, and really start to gauge whether or not 
something is for you or isn't for you. So that's something, you know, if, if you don't know yet, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think too, that means you should go and try it and just see, see for a summer if that's something that you're interested in. Right. Especially as a student, like you said, where, you know, it is sort of expected of you to kind of try things out for size and not, you know, needing to know necessarily, oh, I am like this one role or, you know, this is the best fit for me. Whereas like, I feel like people who are out of school, when they ask me, when they're applying and they're like, well, I'm interested in this and I'm interested in that. I'm like, well, maybe don't express it that way to the recruiter because they're looking (laughs) for like a very specific role and they want to know that, you know, that's like what you want to do. And so I think taking that time in school to really suss that out and not be afraid to try things that might sound outside of your wheelhouse. I think that's really the time as you, as you mentioned. Yeah, Absolutely. Cool. I wanted to spend a, a little chunk of time talking about your passion projects, the stuff you do um, outside of work or outside of the work that you do for clients. Because, you know, how we first met and, you know, getting you getting the, the award for um, starring John Cho and, you know, just looking at your portfolio site, you really do have a particular skill for creating projects that actually make an impact and also get, you know, a lot of attention. So can you describe, you know, your thought process behind one of one or two of your side projects, whichever one you feel like talking about. Sure. Um, uh, maybe I'll talk, you know, I'll just talk about a couple of them, I guess. Um, so, um, I'll start with project untold. So project untold was a, uh, internship program at Sapien Nitro, um, that I kind of started when in seeing that our, our existing internship program, uh, in my opinion, you know, could could have been doing more. I think it was it was a perfectly fine internship program, but I think based upon the internship experiences that I had, um, I thought, you know, as an intern, things that I wanted to do when I was an intern was not just necessarily do create, you know, a hypothetical deck on a hypothetical client and right. present it to a chief executive person at the end of the summer. And then after the summer, that deck just goes into nothingness and just fizzles out into the, the ether. Right. And so in, in my approach to Project Untold, I was like, what if we had a program for interns where they could actually make something real, something tangible and put it out in the world. And that could not only benefit the growth for our interns and give them something to go back to school with and into job interviews with where they say they actually made a thing and here's the results and the KPIs but it could also benefit the company as a way to further our own brand and further our own uh, leadership and thought leadership of how we cultivate talent and how we develop interns. And so um, Project Untold, I'm particularly proud of in that I basically had to sell it in from a concept all the way to the managing the interns when they got here in the agency, yep. all the way out to actually presenting it, the findings of uh, the results and doing, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Postmortems after it and defining the success of it later. Um, but it was really a very much a long game in that in finding you know the right stakeholders in my company, selling it into various different directors and getting their buy-in, talking about issues like what are what's going to be the team structure, what are going to be the existing employees that get involved that uh, are going to support these interns, what is their time commitment going to look like, right. and then once the interns actually got here dealing with all the variables that come when you have nine, you know, 20 somethings who have no idea what they're doing and all are trying to either beat one another and compete against one another. And how do you manage those egos all the way up to getting them and the leadership to not uh, fall out of belief with this project and feeling as if, you know, my own 
reputation is at stake within this agency. Right. Um, and so that was something in, in, that was, you know, I was very fortunate in to have great senior leaders that I had great relationships with that took lots of time to cultivate that they believed in my ability to, to bring this to life. Mm-hmm. But then also um, having having the, the, the support of my, my fellow employees who would then come in and act as coaches to these interns. And also just very being very fortunate in having interns that were hungry, wanted to prove themselves, were willing to put their egos aside and for the greater good of the project, um, able to spend time really hustling together and uh, you know, it's it's tough when you're an intern. You only have those three months to get to know someone, right. um, to really try and dive in and you know feel as though you're comfortable trusting with creative ideas or right. strategic insights. It's it's not easy. It's definitely not easy when when you're coming in pretty pretty brand new. The brief of Project Untold was to tell our, an unforgettable story. That's what we tasked our our nine interns with, and it's it's purposely really broad and really vague because we want them to come up with something creative and something fun. And the only real rules was that it had to be digital because Sapien Nitro has its has its roots in digital. Um, and so they ended up creating a, a campaign called um, Go Get Shelved. And so what it was is that it was addressing um, food waste and how a large portion of food that gets wasted in America results from ugly food. So food that doesn't fit the quote unquote uh like specs of right. that the USDA deems, you know, a certain shape. So they made this really wonderful mobile interactive game that you could tap through. You could, uh, and it took you through the journey from an, a piece of ugly fruit uh, from seed to the the landfill mm-hmm. um, to, to show you what the journey looks like. And you could name the piece of fruit. They had really quirky, fun designs. You could see what all the types of questions the USD asked you. And then you could go about sharing the game and sharing the movement with with your friends and family. Um, so it was a really fun thing that ended up, you know, getting on Adweek, getting on Digiday, um, getting some good recognition from, from the press. So that was really gratifying to see that, you know, these, this work that these nine kids put in was really something that people responded to and were, were willing to tap away at. And I think they got great traffic and a lot of, uh, a lot of experience for them, too, uh, about how to manage a team and think of new ideas and putting a, uh, a mobile site together. So you mentioned a bunch of the things that you had to do within the agency to get it off the ground and kind of see it to fruition, everything like that. For people who are interested in not necessarily starting the exact same thing, but you know, just starting a new initiative at their own agency, whether it is for interns or, or you know, for junior talent, what are a couple of the hurdles that they should keep in mind or like the biggest things to not forget about as they, they go about um, trying to do this? Yeah, um, I think one of the biggest things that people often forget when trying to sell their own ideas to executives Mm -hmm. is that the executives need to get something out of it Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, that there's, you know, as much as, as you, you are have your passions and you understand that this, that to you, it's a worthy cause and it's something to be, you know, heralded. I think on the, on the other side, if on the receiving end of that, I'm probably thinking, how much time do I need to commit to this? Is there a budget? Do I need to find money for this? Do I need to sell this into other people? How much effort do I need to put in to actually find out all those things? Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, for me really early on, um, one, I think you just kind of have to like nurture that long-term relationship. Like you you basically have to kind of inception your your senior leadership (laughs) and to know, you know, what you're passionate about. So by the time you come up with your idea, they're like, oh yeah, that makes total sense that you would think of this because I know that you're passionate about that already. So really opening the dialogue very, very early. Um, and then, too, once once you're getting into that, once you're getting into that almost pitching session, 
basically with in nurturing that trust being saying, hey, you know, senior director, I, I know that you probably have all these questions. By the way, I've already thought of the answers to all those questions. Like I've got all that stuff handled. I, I know what I'm going to do. I know what the contingencies are and I know what I'm going to do if everything goes wrong. And you can trust that I've got the answers and I can give those answers to you as well. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, when I was first selling this idea in and, and you no, know, me, like me at that point was a either like an early newly promoted associate mm-hmm. um, coming in being like, hey, I want to revamp your entire internship program. Yeah. I think, you know, I probably got a lot of weird side eye from that. <laughs> but I think because I came prepared with timelines, with teams, with uh, uh, level of effort allocations, with, you know, all the worst case scenarios, mm-hmm. um, I really thought it from an end to end experience. Um, I think it quelled a lot of the, the the fears that that a lot of the leadership w- would have had early on. You're no, you're a great example. I, I've had great examples that I've heard from other people of just like you might not think at a like a lower level, let's say that you can affect what goes on at the agency, but I think you know that's how agencies evolve and get better. Is yeah. like people coming in and bringing their new ideas and starting new things, and and so the more that people can be encouraged and able are able to do that, I think the better that we're all the better yeah. we'll all be for it. Yeah, and, and I think it's especially for for people that are early in their careers. I mean, I think it's it's I think it's I they often put themselves out of the running for a lot of those initiatives because yeah. they're kind of like, what can I do? I'm just a junior. Sure. But when you realize that, you know, these directors, these senior level people, they have kids who are in schools who they have to pick up and provide for. They have a lot of things on their plate where you as a junior, you have a lot of time <laughs> for, for better and worse. You have yeah. a lot of time to, to make and invest time to, yeah. to blow out these ideas. And if you can basically say, hey, senior person, I can make your life easier and yeah. make you look good. Yeah. You know, who, who's going to say no to that? Right, right. Um, is there another project that you wanted to, to talk about quickly? Yeah, and so uh, the project, so the way that we got connected was uh, through starring, hashtag starring John Cho, which is kind of my big life-changing moment <laughs> project, I think, uh, so far. Um, so starring John Cho was a, a social campaign that I put together to really address the, the lack of uh, Asian-American representation amongst uh, Hollywood blockbusters. And so um, and seeing, you know, with so many kind of events that happened with Oscar So White, right. um, seeing a lot of the, um, you know, just lack of respect that Asian Americans were getting amongst the Hollywood elite, both at that year's Oscars and as well, just in when we see cases of whitewashing again and again and again, okay. it seemed clear to me that not only were we be putting out of roles that um, we should be filling that are traditionally Asian, mm-hmm. but that there wasn't any even opportunity to play the, the lead role, the main role. And so what I did was that I took uh, actor Don Cho, who's f- famous for Helen Kumar or Star Trek, mm-hmm. and I uh, f- photoshopped his face onto movie posters, um, the top grossing posters of 2015 and the most highly anticipated movie posters of 2016, mm-hmm. to really show you that you know it's not so crazy to see an Asian person playing the action hero, playing the romantic lead, yep. and, and that it's, it's a really tangible way to kind of digest this idea that Asian Americans don't just have to be a sidekick or a tech whiz or a yep. school nerd, but they can they can be anything. They can be a flawed human being. They can be a hero. They can be someone with who's egotistical. They can be someone who saves the day or who uh, gets the girl or right. what have you. So it's I think it was it was I was very fortunate in that it got the reception that it got. Um, 
in, in being able to get kind of international recognition, which you know easily surpassed a lot of my expectations. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a fun ride and I've been able to meet a lot of different people, go to a lot of different film festivals, conferences. Uh, I spoke recently at my, at my high school talking about representation in media, so that was really fun. Um, yeah, so it's been just a really, a really great, great ride so far these past couple of years, or this year, really. When you start explaining it, they were like, oh my gosh, I totally saw that, because I do think it, it did achieve a level of virality and like reach that um, was super impressive and really awesome to see. And I think it's a nice example of you know, something that you're really passionate about you know, intersecting with something so relevant, and you mentioned it earlier in terms of everything that was going on culturally, and and that really being what you know kind of sparked um, conversation about it, and and you know the helped the spread of it. Um, was there anything outside of kind of those two factors that you did, or you would attribute kind of the kind of blowing up of that project to? Yeah, I mean, I think there there were two things probably that that really contributed. One, which I think is is um, you know some strategy or skills involved, and another yeah. is just pure uh, labor, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll go to the first one. So the first one in terms of strategy. Um, so in thinking of of the the project and and how I was going to try to explain it and make the idea as simple and digestible as possible. Um, I spoke a lot and I'm going to credit my sister here because I think she's someone that I bounced ideas off of all the time and really helped me kind of hone this down was, you know, really trying to have a good reason for every aspect of the project. So in thinking, you know, why John Cho? Like why him as an actor? Could have been any other Asian actor. And I say, no, John Cho has a specific, you know, skill set where he's one of probably only male act Asian male actors that have been part of successful profitable franchises um in realizing that people aren't just going to be like well he's a familiar face but you know can he put tickets can he put butts in the seat Mm -hmm. so you need that aspect Uh, thinking about you know why twitter i think for me it's thinking the intention of the project was to start a conversation what better platform to start a conversation than on twitter um why these movies uh because Uh, I wanted to pick movies that showed a range of different characters, a range of different leads, a range of different genres um, to show that Asian American men can play anything. Um, So I think in one, in in being very precise and having that reasoning thought out, Mm -hmm. because of course in, in a project like this, people are going, and because social media, social media, people will start to pick holes as soon as they see them. If they see a crack, they're going to try and dig right. a full-on ditch into it. So I think having that rationale thought out beforehand, and once you know that, being able to then simplify the message down to its its easiest form right. um, was something that really, really attributed to its success. Um, the second thing that that involves more just, just labor and hustle is just a, there was a lot of stalking that I did in the, in like the early couple of weeks and we, like weeks before I launched yep. in terms of finding out who are reporters that write about Asian American issues, who are reporters that write about entertainment and mm-hmm. film, who and what are the reporters that are both Asian American and write about entertainment and film. Right. And really trying to make sure that from a targeting perspective, I'm trying to weave this conversation into the people that I think are going to be most receptive to it. And once, you know, you had that immediate target defined, being then able to go on Twitter and then slowly, you know, noticing that people don't really respond to likes on Twitter. People respond to replies on Twitter. Right, right. And then, you know, really starting to weave into those conversations. And that honestly is just 
spending hours yeah. <laughs> combing through feeds and right. like looking at different articles and, and looking at LinkedIn a lot. Um, so I think, you know, if, if, if you're willing to kind of do both of those and think about it holistically on, on the front, on the setup end, on the approach end, mm-hmm. and then willing to spend the time deep diving and finding, you know, who, who is going to spread this message, um, those things have been really attributed to, to the story spreading. That was a perfect answer because I think that it shows really how much you did apply your skills and knowledge and expertise as a strategist to your own project. And I think like so often we sort oh. of like, we sort of forget that, you know, we're good at applying it to our clients business, but like not our own things, which, um, which I, <laughs> I think about all the time with where next too. I'm like, yeah, you should be doing more of this. Like you, you know, you would tell your client that and all that stuff. Um, but also just right. like how, how much of, of hustle, you know, was involved in, it's not that just, it just exploded on its own, but that, you know, there really was concerted effort and, and, and hustle put into it. So yeah, I think that was a great, that was exactly what I was looking for. (laughs) 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 Okay. So whenever I do these interviews, I always like, you know, like do my research and, you know, go on people's portfolio sites. And one thing that um, you, you had a line in your kind of about me section of your site about blurring the lines where our passions and our discomforts meet. And I really, really love that sentiment. So I wanted to ask you how this concept influences the way that you approach your work and whether you can think of any specific examples where that's that intersection, you've like found that intersection between like what you're really passionate about and where things have kind of pushed you out of your comfort zone. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think definitely anything from starring John Cho to Project Untold, um, those are definitely projects that either pushed me out of my, my comfort zone to say, hey, I need to exercise skills that I haven't fully developed yet, mm-hmm. or I don't actually, you know, I'm a strategist. I'm not a, I'm not a professional designer. I'm not someone who, you know, has been trained in, in Photoshop, but it's something that I've dabbled in and something that I've, you know, played around in um, that I've watched, you know, YouTube tutorials for, right. um, but not necessarily something that, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a trained expert in. So I think in, in but in figuring out that, wanting to be in this kind of intermediary world of where your passion and discomfort is, I think realizing that if you have an idea, but you don't necessarily have the skills fully developed, mm-hmm. that's actually okay. And that's not, and you don't have to have the perfect answer to everything. And I think what I've realized is that, you know, there are so many people that I've met through this industry, through my, the companies and agencies that I've worked at, um, and the networking that I've done is that if I don't have the answer, I can almost always bet that someone else has a really great opinion or a really great consultation that they can provide me. And, you know, luckily I've been able to, you know, have good friendships with a lot of these, a lot of these individuals. So when I do go up to them and ask them, they're, they're willing to, to spend that time with me and, right. and show me, hey, that, that, poster doesn't look right because his head is like half a millimeter too big right and i'm like oh okay like i i never would have seen that right right um in terms of like a subject matter i think for me what what gets me really excited about these projects is that i think that there's stories and there are things that are not being typically talked about whether it's in mainstream media or whether it's in an agency or whether it's in just the world frankly uh, and so i think i've started to kind of sense this feeling that I get when I get excited about something and it's this kind of weird um like it's it's like right beneath my sternum and it's kind of as someone's like squishing a sponge a little bit and then your your palms to get a little little you know tingly yeah and 
a lot of times when I'm in those kinds of conversations, that's kind of my trigger alert to be like, oh, wait, like, I think there's something here. I think that there's something worth pursuing now. And so it's almost just kind of realizing, trusting myself in that when I have that reaction, it's a good react. It's a good thing. And if it's it's scary, it's good scary. And so I think a lot of times, and and for me, it's then like, how can I then articulate what I'm feeling in a way that other people will get and other people will understand. And I think oftentimes, especially in a world like advertising, where you have so many different types of opinions and you have so many different types of peoples and personalities where it's not always um, receptive to the person who wants to be more reserved in their approach mm-hmm. and they want to be more, you know, and they want to bring up their, their opinion at the right time. Right. Sometimes, you know, a lot of meetings you get into, you know, people are talking and the loudest person who's talking wins. And so in, in those moments, I think it's really important to, when you, when you feel those things to say, it's my time to be heard. I need to say something and, and not, not, it, needs, it needs to come out because it's worth saying. I wish I had known that when I was starting out, and I talk about this all the time about fear of speaking up, and I can t- I can just like close my eyes and remember what it felt like to be in those meetings as a junior, and like my palms are sweating so badly, and my heart is just like racing like crazy, and I, in my yeah. head I'm just like having this like battle with myself because I know I'm like I know I need to say something, but like there's this physical thing that's kind of stopping me and to hear you talk about, well, use that feeling as the trigger to be like, okay, this is a moment where I can really grow, where I, you know, like, it's actually exciting and and a good thing versus like, oh my God, this is like a crippling, crippling feeling. (laughs) I think, I mean, I think that's super empowering for people. I know so many people feel that, especially when they first start out uh, in, in, in an agency. So I think that's wonderful. Okay, Mm -hmm. so let's talk about strategy for a sec. What are resources that you use to stay up to date on what's happening in technology? Stylus, I think I really like using uh, from like a strategy tool as a way to just keep on top of what's happening with audiences and technology, with style, like fashion and technology, with uh, retail experiences and technology. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really, they do a really good job just kind of weaving in and keeping up to date on what's what's going and what's coming down the pipeline. Um, I mean, I think that there are a slew of sites that you can visit, whether it's, you know, Wired, Vox, mm-hmm. um, TechCrunch, Mashable, uh, PSFK, I think is really great. Um, I think these are all sites that I usually are in my bookmarks that yep. I go and hit up. Yep. Um, and then I think just knowing what's what, what having almost like a calendar of all the major developer conferences on, on your board uh, and being able because they almost almost everyone now live streams their, their events and their right. keynotes. Um, so definitely, I think just staying in tune, whether it's WDC, WWDC for Apple or yeah. for um, Microsoft's Day, I forget what it's called. But I think um, just mapping those out and just Googling, frankly, like what's what, what are those things and being able to plot those and know what's coming down the pipeline, I think are usually, usually good things. I got a lot of questions about what degree a person has to be a numbers person to be a strategist. Um, and I'm not sure... I actually don't know where this perception is coming from, but I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Yeah, I think I'm definitely of the camp that your numbers don't mean anything if you don't have a story to tell. Um, So I think a lot of people will just say, like a lot of people will be like, look at these, uh, the increase in followers, or look at the, the, the... uh, the percent that this person, this this uh, attribute is indexing on this audience, 
And I think that's all well and good, and it's all good information to have. But if you don't really have the and then what of yeah. that conversation, uh, a lot of the time that that data just doesn't really mean anything, um, at least to me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I really like using tools like Simmons, which I think just give you nice you know, overviews of what certain pe- types of people are thinking or feeling about and their, their general attitudes and mindsets. Yeah. I do also think that those numbers can't be treated as if they're, as if they're gold, as if mm-hmm. they're, you know, precious material, because I think it all really depends on what kind of story you're, you're trying to tell about that audience. Um, similar thing too, when it comes to, you know, your, your viewership or your, your, um, your social following. And so I think while, especially you don't want to get into the trap of being saying, especially creatively saying, well, the numbers say we can only do this. Right. So we have to stay within those bounds. I think a lot of times as a strategist, creatives are very not receptive when you're like, okay, we have these parameters and we can't go past those parameters. Right. Because sometimes it's that idea that's slightly more outside of that box that's going to be the one that that breaks the the brief wide open. Um, So while I do think that that data plays an important part and and listening to the numbers, I think it's all part of it's it's all part of developing what your what your path is going to be, what story it is that you're going to present in a deck or a presentation. What is the hardest part about being a strategist, in your opinion? Can I have two things? First thing is that as strategists, especially if you're in a meeting with other strategists, it's incredibly hard to actually get things done because strategists love talking. I mean, it's just like it's our (laughs) our job, like 95% of our job is just to have an opinion on something. So if you're in a room with four other strategists, everyone can have a really great discussion and we'll all walk out feeling as if we said really insightful things and it's really great. But when you follow back and you're like, wait, okay, so what were the action items right, out of that right. meeting? Like where next? Uh, people are kind of like, I don't know, but we had a really good talk. I think that's one of the real big challenges. So I think anytime you're a strategist, that can be very uh, meticulous and detail oriented, being like, these were the notes. This is what was said. Yeah. This, this is where we're heading, especially as a junior person where you probably have less to say as a junior strategist than a senior strategist. But if you can say... I took all these really great notes and I have all the, the next steps coming out of this meeting. Yeah. That, that in and of itself is, is really great value to, to have as a junior person um, that will also just help develop your own opinions. Um, that's one. Two, uh, I think the, the, a lot of the biggest challenges is, is getting everything just so down and translating conversations into slides, mm-hmm. I think, and making those slides digestible in, in, types of, in my opinion, you're getting them down to into like frameworks. Yep. So it's, it's really great when you can, in a strategy session meeting, having a lot of conversation. I think for me, a biggest, biggest pet peeve is when people are, are showing me slides and it's, you know, it's covered in text in small font that is illegible or, and doesn't really quite have any flow of idea to it. Yep. Um, it's, I think that's some, and it's, I think it's, it's a, it's a skill to be able to really do that and be able to translate all the things that we're talking about and thinking mm-hmm. into what diagrams or into graphs or into, um, you know, tables in a way that it's, you don't have to, once someone sees it, they're like, Oh, I, can, I immediately understand what the point of the slide is. Okay. Um, and having a real purpose for each slide and each sentence and each bullet. Um, that I think is probably one of the hardest things in, in order to make sure that your presentation everything has purpose and everything has reasoning behind it. 
that's probably the biggest challenge. For your first point, I was like kind of giggling in my head because I thought actually where you were going to take it, and I totally agree. I thought where you were going to take it was like when you're a strategist in a meeting with other strategists from like different agencies. Like you, if you're on like a cross oh. cross agency team for like yeah. one client, and it's like those are the hardest meetings because it's exactly what you said. And then there's this added layer of like competition and like right, oh, like, you right. know what I mean. <laughs> Like so, the intellect battles just begin. Yeah, and, right, and right. Kind of one I, up each other. And yeah. I feel like there's this weird thing when, you, whenever you at an agency see slides from or a deck from another agency, like no matter how, what it's saying or how good it is, you're kind of like, yeah, you know what I mean. You're kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're just kind of like, oh, okay. it's tough. It's tough to be like, oh, that was insightful, but yeah. I really didn't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. When you review a student or you know, junior strategist resumes and portfolios, what are some common mistakes that you see being made? Right. Um, I think definitely, and I think it's especially tough, especially for, with students from, from liberal arts colleges or places where you're, where you're studying humanities or something like that, because it's, it's not quite always so clear how, you, how your skills are applicable to a role as a strategist. Um, and I think it's, it's even, even if you're someone who are, is studying, you know, business strategy in school mm-hmm. or, you know, talking about the, the, the various advertising clubs that they're in, I think the biggest thing that I find is that oftentimes many students just list their experiences and just talk about it and almost just, I did this, like I was coffee shop barista, I was internship here, I was internship there, internship there. And they don't really cater or tailor their experiences to the role. So it's great if you did an internship in account management, but if you're just telling me that in your internship all you did was uh, like run, do coffee runs, and all you did was take notes, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't really tell me how you think as a strategist or how you approach problem solving. Right. And so if you're if you're able to present some type of so for me as an English major, people would always ask how as, as you as an English major does that lead to strategy? Yep. And I would in my kind of thing, what I would say in my story when I'm writing papers, all I do is ask why. Mm-hmm. All I do is ask why to why authors choose colors to directions to character development and and why do why are they writing this book for this reader? And basically, I think when you start you start getting into okay, so Will starts to think about. Why a per, why a product tailors to a certain type of audience, or why a um, a creative decision is made for a certain reason, mm-hmm. and basically, and then I think in realizing that ninety five percent of your role as a strategist is to ask why, I think that makes it a much more usable, translatable thing to be like, okay, that makes sense right. for a strategy role. So I think you know, if, as if you're a student and you're writing your resume, understand that as a as a strategist, a strategist, I think that honestly, we care less about knowing if you know the tools Mm -hmm. like i'm not really concerned if a junior if a person who's looking for a strategy internship knows how to use simmons already or knows how to use affinio or knows how to use sharper i think those are all things honestly in your first year at an agency you figure out or during your internship you figure out and so i think for me it's more how do you go about approaching problems and, and coming up with creative solutions how do you think about uh, tailoring certain types of content to certain types of people? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you make your passions uh, intersect with the work that you do? Um, those are kind of more of the features that I look for when I'm looking at resumes and, and portfolios. We mentioned this a little bit before um, about you know you being involved in MAPE, and I know you're involved with AdColor as well, and both of these organizations work to increase diversity and inclusion in our industry. 
Um, and you know, they do really great work against that. What can students and junior talent do on their end to support diversity and really advocate for themselves, you know, if they are multicultural talent? Yeah, I mean, so this is, this is interesting because I definitely didn't think that I, while I was at Tufts, I don't think diversity and advocacy, especially within advertising, I didn't even realize at that point that it was like an issue. Mm -hmm. I don't think at that point it was, it was quite so obvious to me that, yeah. hey, you know, like actually when you get in there, everyone does not look like you and yeah. everyone, you will probably be one of the few people who do look like you in a room or in a meeting or in, a, in an interview session. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think I'm really appreciative to organizations like Mape and Color for one, just kind of putting it on your radar that one, this issue exists, and then two, giving you the motivation and the encouragement to say you can have a voice in this conversation and you should, right. and you should tell others and share that voice. Um, so I think, you know, if, if you're, if you're at a college that has MAPE, uh, in, uh, involved in your, in your ad programs, I think becoming brand ambassadors at your schools is, is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think honestly, we've seen so many, um, projects that are, are, are side projects that talk about, um, that highlight the multiculturalism in advertising. Um, I was just talking about yesterday with a friend of mine, um, Candace Queen, who started a, a project called Blacks in Advertising, which highlights, um, black creative individuals within the advertising field mm -hmm. and wants to act as kind of like a network for those people. Um, so I think, you know, as, as if you, if you have those, those types of, uh, that infrastructure already with Maple Your School, great. I think it's to continue it and to shout proudly and loudly. Mm -hmm. I think it, if you're at a school where you don't and you aren't even aware that these things exist, I think it's really pushing for your departments at school to make these connections and make mm -hmm. these partnerships with these organizations uh, and put it on the radar because I think that I'm very, very fortunate in that I found about MAPE. Um, I can't believe that I don't think anyone else at Tufts knows what MAPE is. Yeah. And it's, it shocks me and really just kind of kind of bumps me out a little bit. But so because of that, I think like I, I've, I've written things about MAPE to, mm -hmm. to Tufts and I want them to recruit from there. Yep. Um, and especially, you know, from when I got to Sapien, um, Sapien did not have a, a, a partnership with with MAPE. And so mm -hmm. that was definitely something, again, like as, as a junior employee, I, I remember talking with, with directors about, hey, how can we get MAPE here? How can mm -hmm. we get this involved? And I know that there are other individuals at other agencies doing similar things. So... I think it's definitely um, making sure that you, you've you've got those are are creating those relationships between organizations and organizations. So organizations like Maple and Ad Color to your school or to your ad club. So what's next for Will? You uh, recently went freelance. Uh, I'd love to hear what is next on your plate. What I'm so excited to kind of start pursuing, and I think that's something that uh, in my trying to take Star and Draw project like Star and Draw and chose to the next level is really trying to figure out how do I start practicing what I've been preaching, which is, you know, Asian re American representation in film is important. We need more about it. We need more of it. And it's not just about talent in front of the camera, but it's also about the talent behind the camera. Um, so for me, where, where I feel I can best contribute is, is to start writing and writing and possibly directing down the line, writing screenplays, sharing my own personal stories, um, and then hopefully putting together film pieces um, that feature Asian American talent and stories and narratives that aren't typically told uh, in the mainstream media. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm headed next. Um, I think for me, a lot of my stories that I'm going to be writing are are going to be posted on Medium, mm -hmm. um, and so that I think Medium is a great platform to just share these and be share these stories and be open with an audience, and hopefully, um, you know, people are receptive to things that might not always be so 
easy to talk about or yeah. might even be inflammatory to talk about, mm -hmm. but I think that are, are necessary to talk about. Um, so um, you can catch me on there. Um, uh, and then I'm also active on, on Twitter as well. And uh, my accounts for all of these are at uh, ITS underscore will you. So mm -hmm. it's underscore will you is my, is my social media handle. Cool. Yeah, and we'll definitely include links to um, everything that you just mentioned on the show notes on the website, so people can definitely find the links really easily there. I, I really commend you for taking that leap and really pursuing something that you know you're clearly passionate about, but also will certainly stretch you <laughs> in terms of you know your skills and, and you know building off what you've done in the past as a strategist. So I think that's really awesome. I, I love when people kind of um, take that next step and you know see what else is out there beyond advertising. All right, before I let you go, last question. Best piece of advice you've ever been given? Probably from, her name is Manya Kurzak. She's an ACD at Sapient uh, in UX. And I, I remember talking to her, I think we were talking about just a slide that I was working on. And I think she asked me something as, as seemingly like meaningless as like, oh, like why did I bold this sentence? Or mm -hmm. why did I like italicize some other word? And I remember not having a very good answer for it. And I think she, she just, she did something to along the lines of, well, like everything needs to have a purpose. Like everything needs to have a reason for it. Mm -hmm. When you present it on a slide, everything needs to be um, like defensible in that way. Mm -hmm. And so I think that just really sat with me for everything that I've kind of done after. And anytime I write, anytime I put a slide together, anytime I am like, writing an, even an email, mm -hmm. you know, or even thinking about uh, the, the idea of putting a deck together. It's what's the purpose of this? Like, what is this intention? What are we trying to achieve here? And thinking about that and taking the time to actually devote to that, to the upfront of that and defining that before diving in, um, I found to be immensely helpful because I feel like in so many times in advertising, we get briefs from clients or we get asked from superiors and they're just like, go do it, make it. Mm. And you as a person are like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll do it because someone told me to. And I think sometimes taking a quick step back and just not, not in a insubordinate way, just, yeah. but just being in a, hey, let's be thoughtful about how we want to approach this um, can really help benefit you and the person that you're trying to make the, the deliverable for. So I think definitely having, having purpose and having a reason for everything that you do has been a, a huge piece of advice that I've been given. I like the thought of applying that to things like really big like uh, in your life, but then also like, you know, what is the purpose of this in my life, but also really small? Like, do I really need to include this in an email or can I just like go talk to the person like in person? You know what I mean? Like I love the, Absolutely, yeah. I love like the yeah. scale of, of that piece of advice. So thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for your time. This was really, really wonderful. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Enjoyed it. Thanks so much to Will. As a big fan of hashtag starring John Cho, I can't wait to see what Will does next. I'm going to keep this outro fairly short since the intro was a bit longer than usual. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the podcast section of our website. So when I talk about including links in the show notes for you guys, I'm actually referring to the podcast section. Each episode has its own page that includes topics that we've discussed, pull quotes, and the links to the resources that we mentioned in the episode. It's a really easy way to see which episodes will be most helpful to you. As always, be sure to subscribe and review the podcast on iTunes and subscribe to our weekly email on our website. All right, I'm off to explore Singapore. Until next time, you got this.